Hi, my name is Justin Keen, and I'm the owner and head coach at Woodshed Strength and Conditioning in Littleton, Massachusetts. I'd like to welcome you to the Woodshed Strong podcast. At Woodshed, we believe that getting stronger is one of the most important things that you can do. And in this podcast, we'll share knowledge and encouragement to help you live a stronger, healthier, happier life. Welcome. We're glad to have you. All right, welcome to the Woodshed Strong 3.0 podcast. I believe this is episode eight. Uh, it's a nice round number, and I'm happy to welcome my friend Isaac Wilkins of Relentless Strength Training and Spiral of Leaders. Uh, Isaac is a superior human being and an amazing coach, and I'm really excited to dig into some some weighty stuff with my friend Isaac. How are you today, brother? I'm good, man. I'm good. Yeah, good. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate uh, yeah, I appreciate yeah. the the preframing of a superior or excellent human being. Neither of which is true, but um, <laughs> yeah. but I like uh, I like throwing that out there. How about really. how about very solid? Will you stipulate to that? All right, all right. Yeah. I will. Uh, Fair enough. I'll call myself that. All right, man. Um, so Isaac, we know each other from a couple of different circles, and. Um, one of the things that I've always, uh, since I've gotten to know you, I've always enjoyed you in the rare occasions when you kind of talk about how you got into lifting and coaching. Um, in my opinion, you did it the old fashioned way, kind of came by this naturally and honestly. So tell us, tell us your origin story, man. How did you get into, how'd you get into strength, strength sport? And, and how'd you get into the, how did you get into coaching from there? Yeah. So, um, you know, I was one of these kids, I grew up, uh, grew up in a farm, farm community as a farm kid, you know, and all that type of stuff. And like, um, like I was like, you know, like all those type of kids, you grow up, you play sports and, you know, baseball and football and, um, football and wrestling were kind of my big sports, but, um, you know, and I wasn't particularly good at them. You know, I was a, I was a little chubby kid. Um, I liked, liked playing, but I was a little chubby kid and kind of realized that over time, um, all these other kids were stronger and more fit than I was and kind of dabbled in the, in trying to get in shape. But this was of course back in the early nineties, um, when I was in high school, early and mid nineties. And so like in rural Maine, um, <laughs> the idea of strength training was pretty, pretty limited. Yeah. And so, you know, it just kind of like evolved in that way. Um, and then I got to college and when I got to college. Uh, I started working out with a couple of buddies and saw like, Isaac, where'd you go? Where'd you go to school again, brother? I went to UMaine. Okay. Yep. Um, and saw, um, tremendous progress early. Like I've got to some degree, a natural aptitude for putting on muscle mass. Like I'm a big, big farm boy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and my whole like athleticism, everything changed very, very quickly. And even with what I would now consider to be very mediocre training, um, like all of us, you know, the bro <laughs> back and biceps and, yeah. and chest, uh, shoulders and tri split. Um, but anyway, that was enough to like, kind of get me caught into the iron bug. 
And so I started researching more and more. And I eventually got to the point where I was spending all my time on forums because, you know, forums were a thing back in the day. This was pre, well, I guess that kind of was social media 1.0, but pre social media as it exists today, certainly. And um, I spent more of my time learning about physiology, learning about strength training than I did my actual major, which was finance and kept, you know, periodically um, fucking myself up in the gym, um, which if you don't have the explicit tag on this, then, you know, it's probably, it's all good. (laughs) It's probably going to be, I'm going to be honest. That's not my strong point. Um, so, um, but I kept, uh, kept getting jacked up in the gym by being like a stupid 20 year old. And, um, I had to learn how to fix myself. So that sent me down these rabbit holes and I kept loving that more and more. So dude, just to jump in here, because I think I think a lot of people may not get what a forum was. What well, can you describe what that that's kind of like the Wild West, right? Yeah, yeah. So like, and forum days, yeah. uh, which I know you know as well. Um, so the forum would be basically kind of like the equivalent of a Facebook group today. Yeah. Um, in some ways, like I guess the Facebook group would be the next evolution of it, or maybe like a Reddit um yeah like a reddit group or something like that but just very structured around what usually whatever topics it was like weightlifting and stuff like that so are you dealing with you're dealing with walls of text yeah yeah you know and like very rudimentary picture um uploads stuff like that Uh, and that was kind of you know you, you just get into these arguments but it was back in those days like it was very um the idea of the influencer wasn't nearly what it is today celebrity influencer so it was very likely that you could literally be arguing with a guy that trained at west side yeah um or you could be you know a guy that owned a supplement company and stuff like that and that was in hindsight i didn't realize how special that was some of the connections that that i made and some of the people that i could name drop today that are huge names in the industry And we were all dumb 20 year old kids, you know, nitpicking arguments with each other. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, so that was, uh, that was kind of like those early formative years. um, And then progressively got into the training more and more, got certified um, because I thought I was going to do it on the side and ended up having an opportunity to go get a master's degree in exercise physiology. So I did that and kind of that got me more into the coaching realm. And since then it's been, uh, 20 years, um, a little bit over, I guess, actually, um, since I've been actually certified and coaching people. Mm -hmm. And so I've done everything. I've trained everybody from seven, eight year old kids to, uh, my oldest client ever was 99. Uh, he didn't make a hundred, but I didn't kill him. I always feel like I need to, (laughs) it's like, yeah, you gotta clarify that. (laughs) Yeah. I always feel like I need to throw that in there. Um, you know, and like, everything from clients, you know, countless joint um, replacements, clients with cerebral palsy, clients with MS, clients with all that type of stuff um, to athletes that have been in the Olympic trials and are, have gone from, I've taken kids from high school all the way to pro mm-hmm. um, athletics, like, or been part of their journey is a much better choice of words. Um, and so that's been, it's been a very fun to, you know, whole experience and, training a lot of like adults and I kind of over the years have settled into 
I train and work with primarily adults who are former athletes um, who want to continue to look and feel and be athletic, but they also have like jobs and kids and stuff like that. So that's kind of over the years where I've spent a lot of my time um, and where I feel the personal deepest connection, especially now that I'm, you know, I'm 41. So I kind of, I'm that guy. Um, So that's where, you know, versus when I was 25, I liked working with the high school athletes because they made sense to me then. And now I, I love them, but I feel I fit better with the 40 year old. Yeah, man. So you have, you have one of the things I really admire about you is you have a very distinct ability to articulate really exactly what these people are feeling. Um, when you have somebody that comes to you, you know, let's say, let's say mid forties, um, maybe ex-military high school athlete, college athlete, um, do they know, do they know their pain point? You know, are they, are they, are they coming to you and, and say, man, I want to, I want to feel exactly the way I want to feel like I felt 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Or is that something you guys discover together in the process of working together? It depends. Um, usually when they, when I first am approached, um, unless they already are doing something, unless they've already transitioned to some new form of athletics, like they do Spartan races or they do, you know, something like that. Um, usually they, when somebody approaches me to work together there, they feel like a general sense of malaise and not fitting in. Uh, because in their mind, they still identify as that athlete or that military um, mm-hmm. service person or whatever. They, that's who they, their deep core is. Mm-hmm. And, but their life is very different because they've got a job. They sell insurance. They, whatever, they work at a desk mm-hmm. and their kids are paying the ass and their old ladies, you know, up their butt about something else. And, you know, it just like typical life stuff, like, And so there's no payoff. Yeah. And when you're, when you're an athlete, you have a single purpose, you know, and yeah, you may be going to school and you may be doing stuff like this, but you know, anybody that is listening to this or, you know, that when you were playing high school football, Mm -hmm. uh, your primary objective was high school football and school came like way down here. Yeah. You know, it just was the, you know, college is even worse or whatever. It's even more strong. Um, and so those all have payouts and they have seasons and they have like, okay, I'm in preseason, I'm getting in shape for the season. Now we're going for the championship and, and then we're in off season and like, it's got these cycles and these rhythms to it. Mm-hmm. And they, these people graduate, they finish playing their sports or whatever. And they're suddenly thrown into life that doesn't really have rhythms and seasons anymore. Mm-hmm. Every day is Groundhog Day. And there's usually not like much of a direct payoff anymore. Like maybe the first couple of years, they get a couple of quick promotions. Um, but after that, once you kind of settle into your job, like, yeah, you're upwardly mobile, but it may be five years between any sort of a change, you know? And so they just feel this like sense of like lack of purpose, lack of drive. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times where it really gnaws at them, I find is that, they have friends that don't feel that. Mm -hmm. So they have these friends that say, Hey, look, you know, 
you got a good job. You got, you know, your wife is great. You got good kids. Like you make good money, like all this other stuff. Um, what's the problem? What's the problem? You got it made and they know that they do. Right. But they still feel like, like I was meant for something bigger. I was meant to do something more. Um, I'm not being challenged. I'm not being asked to rise to any real occasions here. Mm -hmm. And that's where they struggle. And it's being able to put that into words and being able to discuss that with them and get them. Um, and they always come in, they say something like, Oh, I just need more energy. I'm tired all the time. Or, you know, I want to be able to play with my kids or I want, you know, is what they usually come in and say, cause mm -hmm. that's the symptom. And right. then discovering that they don't, they don't actually have anything for them anymore is really the big, the big thing I find. Yeah. And that once we get that purpose clarified, um, it makes it very easy for us to fix the energy problem, the playing with kids problem, like all this other stuff, because now we say, okay, well, you gotta, you gotta find something for you. You gotta find something that makes you feel like you're driving forward again. Yeah. You know, whether it's a man or woman doesn't really matter. Like I, I work with plenty of both. Um, but that's kind of where I find that once we get to that point and we figure that out, then it's like, then we can really start to work. It's funny, you know, you, you talk about uh, treating the symptom and that's, I think I can certainly say that as a younger coach, that's a mistake that I made often. You know, you get somebody coming in, uh, somebody play college soccer coming in 10 years later and it's easy to get caught up in the idea that, oh, they, let's get them out in a field running some sprints, right? It'll make them feel yeah. like they felt when they were playing soccer, but that's, that's the window dressing. Um, and the, and exactly as you put it, you're treating a symptom and you're not really digging, digging deeper. Um, what does it look like for one of your clients when that, that light bulb kind of turns on and they realize that they are, as you put it they're they're now driving towards something in particular. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, um, most of the time when that comes on, it's, it's like suddenly like somebody, like, like you say, it's almost like somebody turned the light bulb on for them and they're, they've been in a dark room, um, just kind of fumbling around. And so it's like, suddenly they've got like a focal point. Yep. And sometimes we have to explore like what that is going to be and how to do it. And that sometimes takes a while. But the, even, even the act of like, okay, well, let's explore this for the next, like, however long it takes to figure out what that's going to be, that gives them more direction than what they had been under. Yeah. And so it's all, it's huge. Like it suddenly, it's like somebody, um, it's like, you know, they had been basically burning down. Um, and it's like somebody was able to throw a bunch of fuel on that fire again. It gives them something to be energized about. And that tends to bleed over the rest of their life. They, they act better at home. They, uh, they're more engaged, their work life improves. So they tend to make more money. They tend to like, everything gets better, you know, and I call that state of the state of malaise, um, where they're kind of just figuring it out. I call that uh, comfortable misery is what is the term I, I mm -hmm. like to use because it's not like they're, most of these people aren't uncomfortable. Like mm -hmm. I said, their, their job is good. Their life is generally fine. Um, you know, people that hire me have a problem they want to work on, but they're generally not like their life is not crashing down around them. You know, I usually get people before that happens. Um, so, but they're just kind of like slow, miserable existence yep. where they've either got to resign 
themselves to like just waiting to retire, play golf and die mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, and when you get them to realize that it actually doesn't have to be that way and they can have a much more enriched life by having something active to pursue and they can share that with their family if they are family people. Um, I have plenty of people that are not family people, but um, they can share that with the rest of the world and they can share that with everything else. Then it lights them right up because now they have a reason. They have a, a competition to go back into, even if it's a competition with just themselves. Yeah. You know? So what's your instinct on what gets people to, so you the phrase comfortable misery, I would, I would imagine for many of, many of those folks, many of your clients, um, it takes them a while to sort of realize that's where they're sit. That's the, the pile they're sitting in. Right. Mm -hmm. What, what's your, what's your insight on what gets them to pick up the phone or get on the computer and, and get in touch with you? Is there, is there often an, an event, a physical or a, you know, where, where are they, where are they coming from and what's getting them to finally put their foot through your door? Yeah. So there's, um, I suspect there's always an event mm-hmm. or as much as I, I tend to always, jeez, uh, I tend to, um, not use absolutes if I can help it. Cause there's always the exception yep. to use an absolute, but, um, <laughs> um, very meta. Um, yeah, that really was. It's going deep. They better be paying attention to us. <laughs> Indeed. Um, but I suspect there's almost always an event, uh, whether they even articulate it or not, or whether they can articulate it or not. But a lot of times I'll get the, um, you know, somebody was playing pickup with their kids and they really had a hard time keeping up for the first time and they know that they shouldn't. It's not like their kid is 18 years old in the prime. Like okay. they're having a hard time keeping up with like the 10 year old. Um, or like, you know, I get people that are, they have some sort of a big, like breaking point discussion with a spouse or, um, or a boss where they're, they're not performing to the level that they know that they should be able to, because mm-hmm. they just don't have the energy, stuff like that. Or in the case of like somebody, if they're referred it sometimes there hasn't been quite as much of a breaking point because they've got a friend that kind of, you know, yeah nudge the needle a little bit but um usually usually there's some sort of an event even if they can't put their finger on it there's some sort of a something that said okay there's a reason why i'm gonna pick up the phone or Mm -hmm. i'm gonna fill in this you know opt-in form or whatever gotta have the opt-in form yep um what would you say to encourage someone in that situation to bring what you know Hopefully it's you because you're very good at this, but um, what would you say to encourage someone to, to bring their, to bring their breaking point to someone like you who is, mm-hmm. who is there to, to help them push forward? Um, because that's a scary, that's a pretty naked moment for a lot of people. Uh, you know, whether it's a, a deep discussion with a spouse or, imagining you you are in trouble at work mm-hmm. um that's got to be hard for someone to put on the table with someone they just met yeah um and that is that's always a hard discussion um you know i think that the big thing that especially the type of person i work with 
is a, it's a belief change, but they don't need to be. So basically like I kind of break people down into three main groups. Right. And you've got like your purpose driven people, your, um, your leaders, whether they're a self leader or whether they're actually a leader based on their, um, their job or whatever. Mm -hmm. their family because I, I think everybody's a leader of at least themselves mm -hmm. that's how i view it but you've got those people and then you've got your has-beens and you've got your never was mm -hmm. never was this um never were whatever i guess yeah um so you know and i think the i very rarely work with the never works mm -hmm. quite frankly because they don't usually reach out to me mm -hmm. um not that i won't but i'm going to turn them into a leader and a champion um but when people start hitting that has been state where they start rehashing the same old stories and stuff like that, and they know they're doing it, yeah. you know, um, I think that that's the people that, that you, they need to realize that that's not like a requirement. Like you don't have to become a has been, right. You know, you may be, you may not be the football player you were when you were 20 years old. I mean, you know, like, let's be honest, like, you and I stepping back on a football field right now is probably going to be unfortunate for both of us. Disastrous. Um, but that doesn't mean that I can't find some other aspect of my life to be even more valuable in. Mm -hmm. so, so I wouldn't view my, my athletic background. I wouldn't view as, as a has been, I would view as a transition and phase. Right. That's that, that's the kind of inflection point where it's like two paths, you know, yeah. you start going forward or you can just, turn back and look just look back for the rest of your life you know if you yeah. like you're at the you know like it's stereotypical but there's a reason why the stereotype exists but like if you go to like like right down the street from the gym here is a um a big and excellent sports bar that i've spent more than my share of time at mm -hmm. um and there's the same like 50 year old dudes that grew up here in this town and they played high school football or baseball or whatever and they were pretty good for local town whatever yep. and these guys are still sitting there on the bar stools drinking beers talking about high school football mm -hmm. like and again i know it's a stereotype but it, but they're there like i could yeah sure uh, it's, it's noon so they're they've some of them have shown up yeah um we could go down <laughs> and film them um they would they would tell you all the stories yeah. you know what i mean like deep down that's not a fun place to be yeah. Like, you know, the occasional reminisce with your buddies is one thing, but, but if it's a, it's a Wednesday afternoon at 12.06 PM and you've got a plate of fries and a beer and you're talking, uh, talking about the, the glory days, yeah, that's not a good place to be. Um, and so, I mean, most of the people listening to this certainly wouldn't be quite at that level of it, mm -hmm. but isn't it much more, it wouldn't be much more fun to talk about the awesome stuff you were doing. You know, and my yeah. clients are, you know, like one of them just came back from a week long fishing trip in Alaska with his two sons and his father and caught a bunch of salmon, caught a bunch of, did they did like these two day hikes, you know, where they basically were dropped off by helicopter and then given a, given a raft to blow up. And then the helicopter's like, all right, well, we'll see you 18 miles down the river. Have fun. Like that was it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. But that's all stuff that he can do now because 
he's in shape and he's emboldened and he's got the, the, the he's got his head right and that he's built god knows how many memories with his sons and his father doing that you know what i mean yeah so, so i think uh, just to back up to your distinct your purpose driven your has been your never was um i think it's important that we know that that that's just data there's no that that's not a moral judgment you're not no. you're that is just data and there are probably many more coaches out there who work with the never was right there's there's coaches yeah. for that so i think it's hard for you know one of the one of the thing that can be hard for people to hear sometimes is that really good coaches generally have niches you know um so i don't i don't want anyone to to paint you as a a mean guy who didn't work with i get that sometimes sometimes. yeah Yeah. Um, it's just data i mean it just is it is what it is as as coach belichick says right well you you hit on a great point with the data um that I, um, I, this is something I beat up a lot and this originally came from, uh, or, well, okay. The concept, I kind of internalized it from Nick Peterson, Mm -hmm. but, um, like I'm much more interested in the trend of the data than the data, you know, and this is something that I know that you like, let's, let's make it actually like very granular and very physical. So like if somebody is, 350 pounds, like let's say a former lineman, right? Yeah. Um, and we all know what happens to linemen if they don't lose weight after college, they tend to keep eating like linemen and next thing you know, they weigh 400 pounds because they're huge right. human beings anyway. Yeah. Um, and if you're not doing football practice five days a week, you can't be crushing the two pizzas at night. Yeah. But they don't know any, they don't know what else to do because they've done it since they were in middle school. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Well, if, somebody comes up to me and says, you know, and we check them out and they're 400 pounds and they're, they're 40% body fat and their cardiovascular numbers are not good. And like all the stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and somebody's going to freak out and say, you know, like a lot of coaches would be like, Oh, we got to put them on this plan, this pop, 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 you know, whatever their niche plan is. Right. Well, okay. Maybe, but instead I'm going to say, okay, well, let's, let's see where were you last week? They're like, oh, well, I was 408 pounds. I'm like, okay, well, then maybe Boom. we don't want to touch whatever you're doing. Exactly. And you, that, if that's you were so. If you were 390, then okay, we, we got to make a reversal <laughs> probably. So that's, and that's so hard for, for, I think, people to hear, for so many people to yeah. hear. They want, they don't, wait, aren't you supposed to coach me? I just did. Yeah. Like right. the people like, want, they want to take a single data point of where you are right now. And then they want to say, they want to give this like detailed plan, right. which is really the plan they already had in their mind. Cause that's what they want to sell yep. versus figuring out what this person needs. So like, I'm going to say, okay, well, where were we last week? Where were we six months ago? Okay. Well, let's figure out where we actually want to go. Be like, Oh, well, I've decided I'm going to compete in sumo wrestling. Well, shit. Maybe we're not going to take you down anyway. Right. You know, maybe we're going to maybe we're going to change some things around. Yeah. But is there a okay. big is there a big is there a big market for that? <laughs> Probably not. Yeah. N- nouveau sumo wrestling. Probably you never, not. You never know. You man. never know. You never know. Um, 
but you know what i mean like so like those things would change things so like yeah you know um i love that because i i think one of the one of the biggest struggles that we face as coaches is really the idea that many people have of what constitutes successful and smart coaching and, mm. and usually that is uh beating people up beating people down uh constant variety in workouts uh plans with names you know mm. diets with names instead of doing what you just described which is like all right where are you today where were you last week and charting the course forward um that's a super that's a and that's a really great way of of bringing that example to light with um just that that weight looking at the scale and where was it the week before yeah and like you know there's in the coaching industry in general um there's so much of the coaches like ego and plan involved that it tends to be like again they wanted to squish everybody into this whatever this little box that they are good at sure or that they like or whatever you want to call it um and they don't really take any any real deep interest into the into the client and now that might mean that that client's not a good fit for you like i'm not saying you should take every client on like you may only take on the ones that you actually are a good fit for but you need to be compassionate enough to listen to what the person's actually looking for and then make like an honest choice of like okay is this something that i actually can help you with Mm -hmm. versus like you showed up at my doorstep so this is what we're going to do right you know yeah. And that's why half of clients don't succeed in, in many, many coaching situations because the coach put them on a, on a path that they didn't want to be on in the first place. Right. That's fine. And the coach, the coach happened to have a big personality and happened to be a pretty decent salesperson and everything else. So they got the client excited about it that day. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like, you know, typical, like, let's say we're in, you know, I know that you guys have been affiliated. Um, so like, you know, typical CrossFit box, yep. which there's nothing, I have no issue with, um, well, CrossFit boxes in general, good ones, but <laughs> you know, like, let's say, you know, a client comes in, they want to get fit. They want to, you know, look decent naked. They want to be able to like play with their kids and stuff like that. And they've got, you know, a history of shoulder injuries. They've got history of X, Y, Z, stuff like that. Well, maybe they don't need to be doing like a Cindy or a, mm-hmm. maybe they don't need to be doing like a hard timed workout or like one of the, you know, one of the Olympic lifting wads. Yeah. Maybe they don't need to be doing that. Yeah. But if that's what everybody's doing and they're a competitive person by nature and it's all up on the, on the whiteboard, mm. they're going to go in, they're going to bust themselves up doing it. So true. When they don't deep down, they don't give a shit how much that they snatch. Yeah. Or they don't give a shit what the time is. You know, it's funny. I had a I had, I had a client um, a little while ago. And this is, I, I'll make it a composite, so I'm not sharing anyone's story in particular. But I, I've had a few clients that have said, you know, I end up doing one-on-one training with me versus our small group training because they knew themselves well enough to say, 
if someone else is doing it next to me, I will not be able to say no. Mm-hmm. That's just my nature. And I mean, I feel like when someone has that level of self-awareness, it's, it's pretty hard for them not to be successful mm-hmm. as long as you're, as long as you're just not, you're kind of letting them, letting as them. Long as, as long as you don't, as long as you don't, not you specifically, but right. as long as like the coach doesn't force them into that situation anyway. Yeah. But I see that happen a lot. Be like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah that, that totally makes sense. And while we're here, here's the here's the leaderboard. Like <laughs> yeah, because that you know? that's it's it's unfortunate. Uh that's uh that, that stuff does sell. Yeah, like, and that's I mean that's the equivalent of like of somebody telling you that they're in recovery and they have struggles and you giving them like cooking sherry. You yeah, know what I mean? Right. Like no, no doubt or some something like that you know what i mean i think that that's something we we think about we're we're pretty conscious of and i know you are as well it's like you know exercise can be very addictive mm-hmm. and certain 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 modalities more so than others um but you really have to be conscious of what you're what you're prescribing um Let's talk about your Isaac. Let's talk about your um, zero to one concept, which is one mm-hmm. of the because uh, I think that that segues nicely um, from our discussion about trends and data rather than data itself. Um, talk a, talk a little bit about what that what that represents. Why you why you use that hashtag mm-hmm. so often on your. Uh, really wonderful facebook posts that i miss the frequency of them because i've noticed last, it's gone down a little weeks, yeah. yeah the last couple of weeks have been uh been a little hectic which yeah, i think we we'll get into uh, yeah. a little bit later on yeah so they're, they're coming back starting next week good um yeah so the idea of zero to one um is you know the the, the most value um you can create in a in an activity is going from not doing that activity, whatever that may be, to doing that activity. That first step, that zero to one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I come from the, like I said, I come from the background of finance and economics. And so there's this concept of diminishing returns where the more you, eventually there gets to be a point where you can invest more and more and you keep getting back less and less from it. Mm-hmm. And in theory, there's this point where that no longer becomes like a viable option. You have to invest so much money, capital, whatever time to get a very, very small positive return until eventually it would hit zero. Yeah. Um, so, but it, it ends up being a curve. So the biggest one is the improvement from not doing anything mm-hmm. to doing something. And so that's where I find that psychologically, psychology and economics often go um, somewhat oppose each other. And this is one of those situations where it is. The psychologically, there's so many people that, especially these former athletes that are used to kind of being pretty good at something, yeah. whatever that may be. And so that they'll do is they'll say, oh, well, you know, I can't work out like I used to whether I physically can't, or I don't have the schedule, I don't have the whatever, 
like I can't do what I what I used to do. So I'm not even going to start a training program because I know mm-hmm. I can't do the four days a week that I want to do. Yep. Um, and my answer to that to combat that would be, and this, this is sticking in the realm of uh, training, but it could go, you could go nutrition, you could go whatever, yep. is the biggest bang for your buck you're going to get is going from not working out at all to getting in the bare minimum of a program. You know, once a week, a couple times a week, two or three 30 minute sessions, something. Right. That's the biggest, you know, return you're going to get. It may not be the perfect thing you want, but that's going to be a return. So it's kind of like you're, you're, you're at the plate now and you got like, you got, this is your at bat. You got to shoot your shot. You got to make the most, you got to make the most of it. Not necessarily going from zero to a hundred. Right. But that you know, like, nothing will ever be like zero to one. You know, it'd be like me saying like, well, um, I probably, this is, you know, this is a big, uh, this is a big field and I probably can't hit it out of the park. Yeah. So I'm not even going to take a swing. Right. But the objective is still to score runs. Yep. The objective isn't necessarily to hit home runs. So if I don't swing, I don't get to score any runs. Yeah. But if I start taking swings, I'm going to hit something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how long does it take someone to buy in on that? When you're someone who, someone, let's, let's say client A comes to you with that. Uh, I, I want to look better. So I believe I, I believe I should probably be doing a five day a week body part split. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's no way in hell they can even make it to the gym four days a week. Right. But they, they want, how, how, how long, how do you get them? How do you get them bought in on that, man? Yeah. So, um, it depends and it can be hard. Um, but a lot of times, what I can do, it depends on the person. Some people end up being like, ultimately everybody makes their decisions based on emotion mm-hmm. and then they back it up with logic. Mm-hmm. Sure. But some people tend to be more logical than others. Um, so some of those people I can, I can kind of logic them into it. I'll be like, look, how about we start with this? Mm-hmm. Start with three days a week. You know, you can do that. And you know, what we're going to do is we're going to make this the win. Yeah. And then as quickly as possible, I start getting them some sort of a whim. Mm-hmm. Like even as, cause remember, like I work primarily with people that are athletes. They like to put runs on the board. Right. No doubt. You know what I mean? So like, even like a small win of being like, Hey, if we get to, to where you're consistently getting three days a week for a couple of weeks here, let's talk about adding a fourth. You know, so like that, give them some sort of winner. It could be, it could be two days. It could be whatever. I like to start really small because um, people are already so busy, stuff like that. You know, but these are still discussions I have with clients I've had now for five years. I still have this discussion on occasion, Yeah, usually less so. Um, but, you know, once you get like, they start getting two or three wins under their belt. I know that they're buying in when they start coming up to me with like, with unsolicited and unprompted, wins yes when they're like the best you know, i was i was uh i was doing xyz and you know i was moving this couch with my neighbor and like like i don't i don't even feel sore yeah. like now 
ultimately they may or may not have felt sore anyway, but in their mind, it's because of the work that we were doing that they don't feel sore. Right. That means, and if they come, start coming up to me with those types of wins, then I know that they're well on their way to being bought in because they're, they're starting to attach outside things to their internal feelings. Yes. And when, and the things that I'm not being, that I'm not prompting, I'm not asking them like, have you noticed any, you know, once they start doing that, then I know those connections are starting to be being made and they're a long way towards um, buying into the process. Deep stuff, man, because I, I feel like many would listen to the last minute or so and say, wait, doesn't it, doesn't it matter that they, if they weren't sore, shouldn't, shouldn't, shouldn't they know exactly, it was exact, exactly why or what part of the program and, and the, the real important part is that the deep connection they're making between forward progress and, and feeling better. Right. Yeah. And I mean, those absolutely. pathways, not any magic exercise you may have given them or. Yeah. Um, and especially early on, um, yeah. early on it, like, I'm a little careful how I phrase this, but like early on, like I almost couldn't care less what their progress is as long as they're making, as long as they are identifying as making some kind of progress, mm -hmm. because if that happens, they'll keep doing it. Right. And once the, you know, it's just like, you know, once you have like a locomotive running, you know, it's pretty easy to steer it once it's moving, yeah. you know, or like a, you know, a battleship or whatever you want, pick your big heavy thing. Like it's pretty easy to steer it once it's got momentum and moving. Yeah. But so we can move that towards whatever progress that they actually want. Yep. But if it's not, if they're not making progress and they don't see that they're making progress, then the amount of energy to haul them into whatever we want to do is going to be astronomical. Yeah. Right. And getting behind people don't them. come to me with unlimited energy. The reason they come to me is because they don't have unlimited energy. Right. So, yeah, I love that. Uh, I love the, putting runs on the board. I love that metaphor. I love getting, getting wins. Uh, you're right. And I mean, you, no one wants to get behind a locomotive and start pushing right. <laughs> if they, if they yeah. can avoid it. Like if it's already in motion, you know, get it, get it in the right, get it going in the right direction. Um, talk to me about, uh, I know you've been working on a project called spiral of leaders. Um, Talk to me about specifically getting those folks who, who are purpose-driven and, and um, I'd love to, I'd love to hear about the name itself. I know the spiral is an important concept for you. Mm -hmm. um, so tell me about that project and tell me about how that's going. Yeah, it's, it's going really well. It's um, I mean, it's really starting to, especially with the changes, um, that I've been making in my life um, mm -hmm. with the gym and stuff like that. Um, it's really starting to take off now, uh, which has been super fun. But basically the idea is that, you know, like I alluded to earlier or mentioned earlier, mm -hmm. um, I think that everybody is a leader to some degree, you know, a leader of their life, they're a leader of their family, they're a leader of their, um, their job, they're a leader of whatever. And the idea is that, the more people can lead and they can really kind of have that self-ownership and that self-leadership, then the more good that they're going to do in the world. Yeah. And the more 
the better their purpose and like all this type of stuff. So like, from my perspective, my idea of legacy would be to create as many healthy, energetic, you know, self-owned people to go out and do great things in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's kind of my big mission with it. Like people that feel good and feel empowered and feel strong, do great things. People that don't feel those things don't do great things. So that's kind that's of my, a, my thought process. Pretty important message in our day and age. Yeah. Accomplishment is actually laudable. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> And Absolutely. does does drive good things. Absolutely. Um, and the concept of the spiral for me is, mm-hmm. um, you know, like you've got life goes seasonally, right? And I kind of, again, sort of to use the rule of threes here, I kind of have three types of paths, three types of people. Um, I have dots, circles, and spirals. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if somebody's a dot, they're just stuck. <laughs> like they're just not moving. And that's, um, that's not a good place to be. No, you know, um, and a lot of people are kind of in that boat in the world and that's unfortunate. And somebody that's a circle is somebody that kind of keeps retreading the same thing over and over again. You know, they're moving, there's direction, there's, there's energy. Um, and this is where a lot of people, start when they come to me they're not like you wouldn't call them totally stagnant but they keep kind of going through the same stuff over and over and over again um and they feel like they're on this like circular track and they don't want that Mm -hmm. and you start adding energy and deviation and growth and you get a spiral Mm -hmm. like it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and every time it's still cyclical because life is cyclical Mm-hmm. But every time it passes around, it's bigger and it's grander. And that's mm-hmm. where I want my people to get to where they feel like they're in a spiraling track and they're spiraling, obviously upward, you know, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but sure. they're, they're spiraling in growth. It's getting bigger all the time. And that's why that's so important to me. So mm-hmm. the spiral of leaders is leaders who are constantly developing and growing and becoming stronger, mm-hmm. both physically as well as um, in their leadership qualities and their mm-hmm. life abilities. Does that spiral ever end? Do you ever say, all right, uh, I'm good? Um, I would say that's a personal choice, but that's, okay. and that's the, that's where I think that's a huge distinction mm-hmm. is if you make an active choice to be like, I'm good and this is where I wanna stay, I suspect, and very few of the people that I um, mesh with and interact with would ever hit that point. They would just maybe have certain things that they hit that point on. Like they may hit the the ultimate in their career. Yeah. But next thing you know, they're they're pursuing something else. Gotcha. So it's kind of like the, uh, yeah, maybe I'll retire, but then I'm going to go sit on the board of a, you know, Exactly. You know, and I'm going to do that charity thing that I always wanted to do, or I'm going to even just, I'm going to go hike this mountain. I always wanted to hike. Yeah. You know, um, we have several friends, uh, mutual friends who are kind of in that place where they've reached a pretty high level of their career Yeah. where some of them are still doing it. Some of them are retired, but 
they're not done. They're doing new things. They're pursuing new things. Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons why they, they are our friends because yes. they're always pursuing new things, but they're, they're, they're guys who I would describe um, that way is that they, you know, they're, they're continuing to spiral. It just looks a little bit different, yeah. you know, and they knowing these guys in particular, and I th- I'm sure we can, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, come up with the same people. Um, that's not going to change until they, until they die. Yeah. You know, there'll always be something that they're getting better at. Right. Yeah. It's like, uh, box squats to the toilet. Exactly. There's going to be, there's going to be a notepad next to the toilet with notches. Yep. Yeah. Um, Isaac, how do people get a hold of you who are interested in working with you? Yeah. The, um, you know, the social media, uh, stuff is, you know, always super useful. I'm Isaac, uh, dot Wilkins on Facebook. Because I've got like an old, old Facebook account. <laughs> uh, one of the benefits of being at UMaine. Um, and then, you know, Instagram is um, Isaac Wilkins. I think it's underscore. Okay. And, then, uh, you know, I, I have like a little, uh, little five-day course at spiralofleaders.com slash spark. It's Ignite the Spark is my course to kind of get those, those fires fanned up. Fire, man. You're really like fire comes up, comes up. Fire you. comes up a lot. I, uh, yeah. 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 That's okay, kind of great. I like to see it. Yeah. It's warm. Indeed. It's Indeed. It it's, provides light and warmth. Um, thanks so much for your time, man. I always like to Absolutely. close with um, three questions. Uh, your favorite lift, your favorite conditioning or sweaty activity. And the one thing, if you were, you're on a bad day and you're like, I need, I need to pick me up. I need to feel better. The one thing you, you reach for or you do. Mm-hmm. What's up? Let's start with your lift. What's your, what's your favorite lift? Uh, favorite lift. Uh, I'm a deadlifter, man. Um, yep. You know, I'm naturally inclined towards it mm-hmm. and, you know, I can move a big, pretty big number and, uh, you know, I feel as like I tell people all the time, like I, I've other than being injured a few times, like I've never had a deadlift that didn't feel natural just to reach down and grab a bar yeah, man. versus even though I've got pretty good squat technique, um, every single squat I've ever made in my life has felt unnatural. Even though if you watch a video of me, you'd be like, oh, he's, he's a good squatter. Like it yeah. never feels good. I get um, it. I'm, I'm the same. I get exactly what you're saying. Like every so, single rep. Yeah. All right. How do you get sweaty, man? Um, usually uh, either some sort of a hill sprint is my, uh, is my go-to. Um, I've been, I mean, I've been doing a lot of rocking. That's my thing uh, yeah. lately. Um, and then some like old school, like timed kettlebell snatches, stuff like that is if I had to pick like one conditioner, yeah, give me a kettlebell and I'm just going to, cycle my way through some snatches cool and then you're you're guaranteed pick me up put a smile uh, on your face in the gym or just in no general? just in ge- anything uh just just in general man like um i'm not a big driver like i don't love to drive i i mean i, I live in the middle of nowhere in maine so i drive all the time but um putting on some blues and just uh going for a little cruise is gonna guaranteed to uh put a smile oh, on my face help things 
Who are you putting on? Give me a couple. You know, I've been listening. You know, I've been listening to uh, lately is um, is John Morland. Don't know him. He did a, a couple of a uh, couple of songs for like uh, the Sons of Anarchy con- uh, soundtrack, stuff like that. Um, been kind of having some fun with him. Um, and a lot of times, actually, I used to run a um, run security for a bar in Charleston, South Carolina, um, several bars, but one in particular. And there was this guy, Ed Porkchop Meyer, who would come in and he'd play on usually Thursday <laughs> nights. And uh, Porkchop's exactly like you would think. Yeah. Every, every stereotype that just flashed in your head. Yeah. Uh, and so I actually, like, he pressed a pressed a cd um while i was down there and i had it i bought it from him and um i'll put that on and he's he's good he's got a great voice he can play play the keyboard like hell but um just because it because the memories associated and everything else like i'll just put on listen to him nice man something magic about getting out in the car and just like yeah like i said i'm not a big i don't love to drive in general but if if i need a need a smile on my face then that's, That's awesome, fun. man. All right, Isaac. So spiralofleaders.com slash spark. Spark. Okay. Yep. We'll get that in the show notes, but I want to, I want everybody to get on over to your website and check it out. Um, how there'll built? There'll be a lot more writing at uh, isaacwilkins.com coming up too. But okay, perfect. Right now that's been a little bit on the, on the hiatus for the last few weeks. Yeah. We'll get back to it, brother. Isaac, thanks for your time, and and we got to do this again sometime soon. Oh, absolutely. Thank you so much, Justin. All right, man. Have a great day. You too. All right. Thanks for listening to the Woodshed Strong Podcast. At Woodshed Strength and Conditioning, we provide small group and individual training in a community atmosphere. We're an old-fashioned gym in a brand-new facility located at 53 Ayer Road, Unit F in Littleton, Massachusetts, right off of Route 110. Getting stronger is one of the best things you can do, and it's easy to get started at Woodshed. Head on over to our website at woodshedstrength.com and schedule your free no-sweat intro. You'll meet with one of our professional coaches and talk about what you'd like to do and how we might help you. No sales pitch, no pressure, no sweat. Head on over to woodshedstrength.com to get started. And thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.